0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The best rescue is rescue that comes at the point of hopelessness. For all the things that have gone wrong lately in New Orleans, there was great joy when, just for a moment, it works. When a woman who on a normal day would not even ride a Ferris wheel is suddenly riding a wire from a rooftop up into a helicopter. It's brilliant. The best rescue is the rescue that comes at the point of hopelessness. A child is lost and then found. A woman is dead and then raised. A slave, hopelessly indebted, is forgiven and set free. When good old St. Peter tries to get a measure on rescue, when he asks about forgiveness... Jesus helps him ask the question he really wants to ask. What is the kingdom of God like? Or what does it mean to be the church? Or what is your life like? It is all the same question. It is like this, says Jesus, or at least it ought to be. It is like a king who calls his servants in to settle up. And along the way he notices that one of them has gone belly up. Here is a slave who owes the king 15 years' wages, $15 million, $150 million. It doesn't really matter. Put away your calculators. The point is, short of taking Google public in the next 10 minutes, this guy is cooked. He is all done. Though he makes his best best last pitch. Now, I know it's a lot of money, but if I could just defer my payments and then work myself into one of those new interest-only situations, I'm sure I'd be able to pay you right back. And all the king can say to himself is, oh no, not another day trader. This is so pitiful. So pitiful, in fact, that the king is filled with pity. Or better, he fills himself up with pity For a man whose ideas about himself and his family and his business and his king and life itself is hopeless. And then because the best rescue is the rescue that comes at the point of hopelessness. The king forgives him and he frees him. And Jesus is careful to use both of those words because they always go together. To be forgiven is to be free. So says the king, take a look at your past, and it's over. All forgiven, clean slate, fresh start, have a nice day. Next in line, please, says the king, because we must have 77 of these guys in line today. There is nothing sweeter, there is nothing better than rescue at the point of hopelessness. And so, of course, there is nothing more bitter, there is nothing worse than a good gift that is met with indifference or scorn, or worse, a good gift met with evil." So when that just-forgiven slave wanders down the street outside the palace, clean, fresh, free, nice day, next case, please. And the next case happens to be an old pal who owes him ten bucks. And without any pity at all, he breaks a beer bottle over his old friend's head and sends him off to debtor's prison until he can pay. Because the old pal doesn't have the money to settle up. There is nothing more bitter. There is nothing worse. And really, that's all there is. There is life inside the kingdom that works by way of pity and grace and forgiveness and freedom. And there is life outside the kingdom of Jesus Christ that is merciless and mean. So what went wrong? I can explain it to you. What went wrong is this, that the slave who was forgiven never really understood what had happened to him as he stood before his king, so he never really appreciated how forgiven and how free he had become. That slave left the palace that day thinking that he had settled his account. He left thinking that once again, he had gotten by, on good looks, charm, a quick story and a clever smile. He thought he had done it. He had settled his own account when, in fact, just the opposite had happened. His account had been unsettled. It had been undone. It was erased. It was upset. And it was the king who had done that, simply because the king was kind-hearted, simply because that is what the king liked to do. I can explain it to you, but it takes more than an explanation to ease the pain. If you are old enough to walk and talk, this has happened to you. If you are old enough to walk and talk, you have lived inside this story. You do a friend a favor, and then they do you in. You lend them money, and they waste it and never pay you back. You give them a job, and they loaf. You raise them right, and they go their own way. You tell them one thing, and they do the opposite, or maybe nothing at all. You do a good deed. You rescue a man from hopelessness, and it could be so sweet if everybody just plays along and he returns evil for good. I can explain it to you. But explaining it doesn't really make it feel any better. So the real question is, how do you go on? First. First, the truth is that sometimes evil will just kill you. The truth is that sometimes you will just end up on the wrong end of a beer bottle. Sometimes you are going to be ignored and abused and leveled and undone, no matter how much good you do, by the hopeless folks that you tried to help. Sometimes folks are just so evil that it radiates from them. And as you move in to help them, they will take you down with them. In that case, all you can do is what Jesus did. Trust yourself to the one who judges justly. And, of course, don't let it stop you from doing good again and again. That's what Paul is on about in his epistle for today. What do you care what other people do? You're a Christian. You belong to Christ. You live in the kingdom of God. So whether you live or whether you die... It's all the same. Second, though sometimes that evil will kill you, you should know that sometimes it will also catch up and kill your evil friend. That is what happened in the text for today. When the king gets wind of how horribly that forgiven slave misused his forgiveness and his freedom, he calls him back to the palace. You want all the accounts settled? Is that what you like? You like accounts settled? I'll settle your account. And he tosses him into debtor's prison to be tortured. Until by being tortured, he can earn $150 million and pay the king back. I suppose you can comfort yourself with that somewhat, that in the end, bad men go to prison, and in the real end, the Lord will make it all right. Still, while that might feel good for a while, having somebody destroyed is never really a comfort. And seeing people in hell is not the way of the gospel. It is a mark of failure. When folks insist on settling things their own way, when they will not say, I am sorry, when they will not repent. And when they will not forgive and will not live free when they will not learn to pity as they have been pitied and mercy as they have been mercied, then eventually, yes, the Lord will step in and fix it up the law way. But having account settled that way is always unsettling for us. There is a third, and I think best option here, and it is the one that Jesus Christ is driving at. It is one that does not kill you and does not kill your friend, your evil friend. But it does kill Jesus. And that, of course, is really the point of the story. The point of the story is that the king takes the loss. The point of the story is that if there is any suffering to be done, the king suffers. The point of the story is this, the king settles the account at his own expense. The point is this, the king would rather go to hell than see you go. And of course, then, this parable is just another way of saying what we always say around here every Sunday, that this is the story of Jesus' death on the cross, where the perfect Jesus perfectly settles all accounts, even yours, even mine. And I hope as you hear it again, it is not unsettling for you because this is the gospel. Jesus does it so you don't have to. Jesus settles accounts because you cannot. Jesus does it, forgiving you and freeing you for a life that you cannot find anywhere else. This is absolutely great stuff, and this is all there is. And it's very important that you understand this, and it is very important for us to have this life among us. It is important for us to live and die by this, to give this out to each other, in your family, in this church. And to everyone you meet as you go out along the road today, rather than breaking beer bottles over their heads. I spent some time again this summer with a young guy I know, a young Lutheran guy from MIT. He is seriously bright. And he is more serious about being a disciple of Christ. So serious that after he graduated last year, he spent the year doing Bible studies and campus work at MIT. That's no easy task. And then beyond that, he went to South Africa to try to get a line on what was going on in the church there. And now he's off to seminary. That's the good news. But the bad news is that it's not one of ours. I was so disappointed by that. It was such a loss. We lost a good, bright, committed guy. And in the course of the time I was with him, I asked him why, and he said something like this. You know what? I believe all the Lutheran stuff. And my home church has always talked about the goods but they never really learned how to celebrate them. They never really knew how to live and die by them. They never really knew how to share them, how to give them out. Translation, that church never really understood what happened to them every week as they stood before the King Jesus Christ and were forgiven and made free. You all got the goods, friends, word and sacrament. You get them every week. You all got the rescue. You were hopeless dead folks, and now you've been made alive. You all got the benefits, forgiveness and freedom, and now you are all about to go out and live lives in your family and as church and on the street, and God help you. Not to take this for granted, and not to rebel against them, and not to think that they're your work, and not to somehow think you've come again this morning and that you have settled up, but instead to hear and understand and rejoice in the gospel, to count Christ and his gracious words and sacraments as all things, as gift and blessing, and to live from those and to celebrate those and to share those and to use those in an unsettled life of your own that unsettles every life that you touch. In forgiveness and freedom and rescue and hope all around and for everyone. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.